praise on that. Amen. 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 Come on, let's get ready for the Word of God. Here we go. Nothing else. 
coming back to where we started coming back to where we started when i first felt your love you're all that matters jesus you're all that matters coming back to what really matters just your heart just want to bless your heart, Jesus. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. Never want to leave And oh, I'm not here for blessing Jesus, you don't owe me anything And more than anything church can you just lift your hands with you right there where you sit just with your own mouth and with your own voice come on just begin to tell Jesus I just want you come on the presence of the Lord is in the room right now come on just tell him I just want you Jesus more than anything Lord we just want you God we just want you oh we love you Lord we long for you Jesus Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, come in this room, Jesus. Show yourself to every person in this room today, God. I pray that you would come and encounter every heart in this room today. Those close to you, those near to you, God. Those that feel like they're, they're lost and, and, and desperate this morning. Jesus, come and, and rescue every heart in this room today. Jesus, come and captivate every heart in this room today. Jesus, come. Jesus, come. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I thought, I thought Pastor was going to just, just preach really what I have on my heart today as he began in, in worship to talk about, you know, the, the, the cultural things that we do to, to twist people's arms to get them to come to Jesus. But, church, I'm telling you that Jesus is all we need. Come on, Jesus is all we need. I just want to talk for a few minutes today before we come to an altar about the supremacy of Jesus. The supremacy of Jesus. That truthfully, we don't need anything else other than Him. That the things that we manufacture to, to try to get people to, to come and sit in our chairs and, and fill our buildings are worthless compared to knowing Jesus. Worthless compared to knowing Jesus. That He is truly everything. There's nothing worth more than knowing Him, and there is nothing of greater worth than we can give the world around Him, around us, than knowing Him. Our chief pursuit has to be knowing Jesus. You may be 
a real estate agent or a banker or a teacher or work for a software company or a stay-at-home mom, but your chief pursuit has to be knowing Jesus. Our chief pursuit in this world has to be knowing Jesus. The Bible says in Matthew 13 that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he he hid it again and, and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a girl, uh, a, a girl, yes, praise the Lord, a, a pearl of great value, he sold everything and owned it. We've got some men in here that did the same thing for their wife that God gave them, praise the Lord. <laughs> but the kingdom message the kingdom message is this, this message, this, this greater realm message that we've been preaching since the beginning of the year is the same message that Jesus trumpeted when he walked on the earth. It's the same message that is before us today, and that's the message that there is nothing of greater value in the world than the kingdom of heaven. There is nothing of greater value than knowing Jesus. There's nothing of greater value and this culture tries so hard that the spirit of the age and the spirit of religion would try so hard to make us devalue and undervalue the worth of knowing Jesus, the worth of surrendering all for the kingdom. But I'm telling you, there's nothing greater. There's nothing greater. There's nothing more satisfying. There's nothing more fulfilling. There's nothing more glorious than finding that treasure. The value of the treasure remains the same. So why is it that, that some who have encountered Jesus through the Scripture and, and some who encounter Jesus today don't see Him as great treasure? And some do. Why, why is it that some could take Him or leave Him in this world today? We have people even that sit in our chairs and our rows are like, man, when is this thing going to be over? 70 minutes, and get you, yeah, if I get you some coffee and, you're, and your donut, maybe you'll sit here long enough for me to introduce you to Jesus. And I'm telling you, he's greater than that. He's more than that. He's better than that. I want, I want the attitude someone like Peter, James, and John had when Jesus said, come follow me, and they left it all and they went after him. I think sometimes we get so caught up in, in the busyness of life and the culture of today. Look, it's, it's the middle of February, and just because it's not January, 21 days of prayer and fasting doesn't mean that we're not burning for the Lord anymore, right? You know, sometimes it's so easy for us to get caught up in the routines and habits of life that, that, that we seek God in seasons and don't become um, intentional lifestyle seekers. Where that where the seeking God in prayer and fasting is not what we do in moments of great spiritual fervor, but a seeker of God is who we are. One who treasures the kingdom is who we are. It becomes our very life to where that, that we're so fascinated with Jesus that, that if we had an announcement and said, Tuesday night at 6.30, we're going to have a gathering and the special guest is going to be Jesus that we had so many people that would fill the room, we couldn't even get them all in the room. You know, we've, we've almost created this, 
even in the church world and religious circles, this, this thing where we've elevated personalities and people more than Jesus, where, where Jesus is, is the, the main attention. Jesus is where everything should be and, and focus. And, and I'm thankful that we have a church and, and, a, and a leadership and a body of believers that's hungry for Jesus. And I just want to encourage you in that today. I love, I love the stand that, that Mike Bickle at, at IHOP in Kansas City took just at the end of the year. Um, IHOP's not International House of Pancakes, International House of Prayer uh, in IHOP. They had this gathering of, of 30 to 40,000 people every new year um, where they're just, it's a conference. You know, we've got this conference culture where everybody's having a conference and it's, you know, who can I get to come to my conference so that I can get more people to come to my conference? And, and they said, look, we're just going to shut it all down. He said, because somehow along the journey, somehow along the way, our focus begin to shift to man instead of Jesus. And so we're shutting it down. And we are re-centering our focus. We're, re we're taking a reset. And, and we're stepping back and we're looking at our lives. And we're going to see, where have I treasured other things more than I've treasured the great treasure, which is Jesus? Where have I, where have I valued pursuit? Sometimes we even value the things he does for us more than we value him. Sometimes we value the miracle and the blessing and because we prayed so hard for it. You know, it's like, it's like when you've prayed really hard for a miracle and you finally get the miracle, your pursuit goes from ten to one. Were you pursuing the miracle or were you pursuing him? Were you praying your brains out because you needed healing from cancer or were you praying your brains out because you want Jesus? That's not real, like, eloquent language, you know. Jesus scolded people that, that wanted a sign. He said, I'm here. I am the sign. If you get me, you get the signs. And there's more signs happening in this place. Man, it's incredible. There are people being healed left and right. You know, and, and we get so excited about that and fired up about that. And, and it's the enemy sometimes that will even, even take something like that in moments of, of great spiritual revival and resurgence. And, and, and sneakily, because he's sneaky, man. He's deceptive. Shift our focus and look at these great things instead of look at him, look at him, look at him. If you get him, you get all this stuff, man. Why is it, you know, the, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, you know, I'm going to follow you. I want to follow you. And Jesus says, yes, come follow me. But, but do, you got to let go of this and you got to let go. Y'all know the story. But he was more possessed by those things than he was willing to be possessed by Jesus. And I never want to be in that place, man. I never want to be in that place. Of even, even in the, the busyness of ministry, and, and, and some, several of you in the room are, are ministers and, and disciple makers. We're all disciple makers, and we're all really ministers. But, you know, even in, even in vocational ministry, I can't be more possessed by how's the church doing and, and, and how's the music ministry and how's the youth ministry. How is my relationship with him? How is my devotional life? How is my pursuit? Are my eyes locked in with him? Are my ears locked into him? That's the chief pursuit. I love the story of the woman with the alabaster box. Such a crazy story because it's, it's almost like a... A picture of today because there's this, this group of people uh, that, that are religious and, and they're inviting the, the, the superstar Jesus, right? They're, they're thinking, man, if I get Jesus, the popular Jesus, into my home for dinner, boy, I've done something. Simon, the, the religious man, gets Jesus into his home. and It looks as though he's just wanting to host Jesus. 
But really his motivation was self-centered. Sometimes in our life we, we feel like, you know, we want to we host Jesus, but really we just want the benefits. And, and I'm thankful for the benefits. I'm thankful for the promises. But more than that, I'm thankful to be a son. More than that, I'm thankful that he's my father. And that if he never gives me anything, it's okay because I love him. You know, and, and, and sometimes we mask the motivation of our heart. Simon, he's doing these things for Jesus. He's hosting in his home. I, I can imagine the great dinner spread that they had for him. And he lays out the china, right? And, and he's got the, the green room ready, you know? And, and he's got the, 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 the water and the, the, the great meal and everything perfect for him. But was it for him or was it to say, I'm hosting a great prophet in my home? Because look at the story. Luke 7, verses 44 through 47 then he spoke to Simon about the woman, still weeping at his feet. You know the story. The woman who has a, a terrible reputation, comes up in the middle of the religious meeting, doesn't care, doesn't have any couth, right? Doesn't have any uh, manners, and just comes in and, and, and it's just, she's fascinated with Jesus. She's, she's fascinated with Jesus. And, and she comes in and, and she becomes... The center of attention. She comes in and, and inappropriately. Y'all can can y'all imagine this? Your feet are kind of gross anyway. Let's be honest, right? Feet are feet are kind of gross, right? And, and in their in their day, you know, they, they walked pretty much everywhere, and so his feet are even more nasty, right? Because of the dust and the dirt and and the kind of shoes they wore and and just just gross, man. And, and she comes in, and, and the Bible says that she begins to kiss his feet over and over and over and over again. Now, bear in mind, she's a prostitute. They're thinking, what is she trying to do to this man in front of all of us? She begins to weep. The Bible says that she weeps so much that she began to wash his feet with her tears, and she would dry them with her hair. And then she brings out this thing that was of greatest value to her this alabaster box, this jar, and she breaks it. The Bible says here that then he spoke to Simon. You know, of course, they're all like, what is this woman? Y'all can hear the murmurs, the religious accusation. This is out of line. This is out of order. What is she doing? She's a prostitute. She's not even welcome in this place. This is Jesus. This is a great prophet. Then they point the finger at him and say, he's not the prophet we thought he was because look at how he's interacting with her. Then he spoke to Simon about the woman still weeping at his feet. Don't you see this woman kneeling here? She is doing more for me. She is doing for me what you didn't even bother to do. When I entered your home as your guest, you didn't think about offering me water to wash the dust off my feet. Because again, the motivation really wasn't about Jesus, it was about him. Yet she came into your home and washed my feet with her many tears and then dried my feet with her hair. You didn't even welcome me into your home with customary kiss of greeting. But from the moment I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't take the time to anoint my head with fragrant oil, but she anointed my head and feet with the finest perfume. She has been forgiven of all her many sins. This is why she has shown me extravagant love. But those who assume they have very little to be forgiven will love me very little. We need the attitude of the woman with the alabaster box. We need the approach 
of the woman with the alabaster box. The approach of, of the person who, who took the treasure and hid it in the field and then went and sold everything and, and bought the field again. We need that kind of pursuit. We need that kind of attitude when it comes to Jesus. I love what Paul says in Philippians 3. Verse 7 and 8, yet all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them. And I regard it all as nothing compared to, to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. To truly know Him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to me now so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace Him as Lord in all of His greatness. Paul's saying all these pursuits, all these things, even, even sometimes our pursuit of wanting to do things for God, they don't measure up to simply knowing Him. We don't seek to know His ways, we seek to know Him. We seek to know Him. The, the simple fact is that this, this greater realm that we've been discussing and diving into, this, this greater realm that, that is so available to us, is really simply today is for two things. Number one, to know Him, and number two, to make Him known. Really simple. That all of it, all of it combined, it, if we put it all into one, one basket, it would be this. To know Him and to make Him known. Everything we do, the songs we sing, the Wednesday night services, the meals, the classes, the discipleship, all of it is to know Him and to make Him known. To know Him and to make Him known. And if the things that we are doing are not pointing us to knowing Him, then let's stop and let's recenter and let's reset and let's refocus and make knowing Him the chief pursuit of our existence. To know Him and to make Him known. There's something that happens in you when you begin to know Him that making Him known becomes as natural as breathing. Because you, you know Him so well that when you step into rooms, things begin to change. You, you know Him so well you begin to look like Him and sound like Him and act like Him and you carry Him. Where, where these miracles that have been happening in this place and out of this place really are just the norm. That the making Him known in this world begins to become a secondary consequence of our chief pursuit of knowing Him. That, that, that when we turn on the news and we, and we hear about the tragic situations and the, and the, the terrible news of our culture and the world, that, that our, our response is not, man, it's so bad, I can't wait to get out of here. Our response is, man, i got to give Jesus to this world. Our response is this Jesus that I know that has rescued me and delivered me and set me free and broken the chains off of my life. I got to give them to everybody I know. I got a text this week from a, from a great friend of mine that lives in, uh, in Kentucky. And she said, hey, y'all pray for my dad. He has multiple clots. I'm just going to read you the text. He has multiple clots and will be having surgery later this afternoon. Keep praying. Two of the clots have traveled to his lungs. So we prayed. You know, it's a group text with me and Whitney and a couple other friends. They live in Kentucky. But God, God doesn't know any distance. Right? So we begin to pray. She said, you know, when she texts me the thing that the clots have gone to her lungs, I said, hey, listen. Um, and we've been having some incredible miracles 
in our church, and, and I just believe that we should come into agreement with her. Can we pray for you at our, at our, at our church? And I text Dad, and I said, hey, you know, we need prayer here. And, and so in that moment, we begin to pray. This is what happened the next day. Surgeon wasn't able to break through the clot, but she did find another one in his right femoral artery that she didn't even know about. So back to the drawing board, right? And so uh, on Wednesday morning, even Whitney and I got together and we prayed, had specific prayer for him. And, and on Wednesday night, we prayed for him, and, and they were praying. And look, this is what happened the next day. Good news. The blood clot in the right leg miraculously disappeared. <laughs> and he's scheduled to go back to the cath lab this afternoon to try and bust up the clots that are causing pain. He was having pain. They didn't know why. And so the next day she says, praise the Lord, y'all. The surgeon was able to break through the clot that was causing so much pain. He'll be in ICU tonight um, so that medicine can, can take its effect, and then that's it. He's going home. <laughs> Come on, man. So <laughs> Tiffany, her ankle gets miraculously healed, and, and Harrison gets healed and goes out here and runs a lap around the, the pond. I know he was healed, but I don't know. He was trusting Jesus for that cardio to run that lap around the pond. That's a long lap. It doesn't look like long. You get around that pond, you're huffing and puffing, you know. And Joe began to tell me about his son being, being healed of, of some, some asthma-type issues and, and allergy-type issues. I mean, just these, these miracles begin to happen. What's happening is as we are knowing him, we are making him known, and it's bringing glory to his name. Jesus' number one pursuit, he was motivated by love, and he wanted to bring glory to the Father in all that he did. He said, it's my, it's my meat to do the will of my Father. In other words, it's, it sustains me to do the will of my Father. And, and, and as we know Him, making Him known in this earth is going to begin to be such a dramatic, miraculous, glorious thing that, that, that we are going to have so many testimonies of healing and deliverance. And, and it's just going to be... Like, like a runaway. Like, what are we going to do? Like, I can't pass the mic to enough people because there's so many people coming in with testimonies. It's beginning to happen. It's beginning to happen. And, and why is it beginning to happen? It's not because God all of a sudden decided to start healing people. It's because we finally stepped into a place of fully surrender, fully surrendering, fully, fully knowing him to where we, we come to the realization, healing is for me. Healing is for the world around me. Not just on Sunday morning, but on Monday morning and on Tuesday morning and on Wednesday morning and in, in Walmart and at the gym and, and at the feed store. Man, I had a dude the other day at the feed store told me he had shoulder surgery and I lifted up the bag of feed for him. I was like, dude, why are you out here lifting feed sacks if you had shoulder surgery? And I just, I didn't get weird on him and say, let me get the oil out of my truck, man. I'm going to get my white hanky out. You come right here and get on your knees and I'm about to pour this. You know, I just, you know, I didn't even really say anything to him. I just, as I was picking up that bag of feed, just touched him on the shoulder and uh, he didn't know I was praying for him, but I was saying, be healed. You know, the next time I go back to the feed store, I'm going to ask him how his shoulder's doing. And so this, this making him known in the earth is, is, is really what this greater realm is for. I love this scripture that is our, our um, main scripture kind of for the year is what we were claiming it for us. And this is Jeremiah 33, 6 through 9. But now take another look. I'm going to read it today because I want us to get it again. I'm going to give this city a thorough renovation. Working a true healing inside and out. I want to show them whole life, life whole, right? Life brimming with blessings. I'll restore everything that was lost. I'll rebuild, I will build everything back as good as new. I'll scrub them clean from the dirt they've done against me. Come on, somebody. 
I'll forgive everything they've done wrong. Forgive all their rebellions. And Jerusalem will be a center of joy and praise and glory for all the countries on the earth. They'll get reports on all the good that I'm doing for her, and they'll be in awe of the blessings I'm pouring on her. This is what we are believing not just for the church alive as an organization, yes, for us, but for you as an individual, for Conway as a city, for Central Arkansas as a region, that God is going to begin to do a work of revival here, that there is a group of people that know him, and in response, we are making him known. We're making him known. That, that as we are chiefly pursuing to know him, that we are making him known. When, when, I, when I get reports of, of man, there's half a, half a Harrison's class got the flu. Man, I want him to be so anointed as two-year-old that he can walk up there. I've been praying over his blanket. You know, at home, like Paul prayed over handkerchiefs. Yeah. You go up in the, the two-year-old class at daycare, and he starts hitting people with his blanket. They just be getting healed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we... we there's this realm of, of making him known that is so outrageous that we've got to begin to step into where, where Jesus, the stuff he did, we're about to start doing it. And, 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 it's, not, and it's not because we're special or there's just, there's just this holy moment. It's because that's what he destined us to do. It's what he designed us to do. It's what he told us we would do. It's what he promised us we could do. And so finally, there's this realization there's this spiritual awakening that happens on the inside when you truly know him. That you realize miracles aren't a hard thing. Deliverance isn't a hard thing. Breaking of bondage and seeing revival where cities are one in a day is not a hard thing. Look, the enemy has talked us into believing that these are hard things. Because of um, how sporadically we see them because sometimes we pray and we don't have an answer and, and sometimes you know we have to reference a miracle that happened months ago or years ago it's not a hard thing God can do it and I was talking to Joe on Wednesday night before the dinner y'all should come to the dinners I was talking to Joe and we were talking about I asked him I said hey man how did it go with Naomi's little friend last Sunday and he was like man you know it was good it was, it was powerful he's like I just I knew that I had to I just had to do it you know I just had to pray for her and we begin to talk about how that his son was healed and, and how that, what that was doing to his faith. And, and, I, and I started telling him that as I listened to the, the audio book about those healings that happened at Azusa Street, that at the introduction of each story, they would say, you know, when, when people would come in with, with mass, just grotesque deformities and injuries, that, that when I first started going to Azusa Street, um, I wondered if God could do anything like that. And they said, those miracles begin to happen with such regularity that no matter how extreme the dysfunction was, when people walked into that place, there was zero expectation that God couldn't do it. Their faith had so been stirred because of how the miracles began to happen that, that the, the realization that nothing is impossible for Jesus fully became alive on the inside of them so that when they saw someone... With, with an extreme difficulty, it wasn't like, I'm going to pray from a distance and just maybe God will do that. Right? They, sometimes we do that. We're like, man, that dude's in a wheelchair. I, I don't know if I can go pray for him or not because if he doesn't get up, I'm going to look like an idiot. Right? Anybody been there? Look, I've been there. 
But they were so bold, they would go up to people in wheelchairs and they would say, now look, before we pray for you, we got to take your feet and we got to move them off of these little feet, footstools because we're, you're about to get out of this chair and you can't get up if your feet are on those footstools. So we're going to activate faith and move those and we're going to pray for you and the people would get up, you know. And, and there, there, was, there was so much faith, though, that it wasn't even a doubt. And I think that's what's happening in this place. There's so many miracles happening where, where, where you're, not, you're not going out of here trying to get weird on people. But, but when, you, when you pass people in the store and, and you see depression on their face, instead of walking by unaware, the Spirit of God is quickening you. And you're saying, hey man, I just want to tell you God loves you. There's joy for you. There's hope for you. There's peace for you. There's love for you. It's making him known, making his goodness known. I love this scripture. Brother Otis, you can play, and we're, we're going to pray here in just a moment. It says, Matthew 9, 35 and 38, it says that Jesus walked throughout the region with the joyful message of God's kingdom realm. He taught in their meeting houses, and wherever he went, he demonstrated God's power by healing every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the vast crowds of people, Jesus' heart was deeply moved with compassion because they seemed weary and helpless, like wandering sheep without a shepherd. He turned to his disciples and said, The harvest is huge and ripe, but there are not enough harvesters to bring it all in. As you go, plead with the owner of the harvest to thrust out many more reapers to harvest his grain. As you know him and begin to make him known, there's something that begins to happen in your heart where you see the world around you differently. You, you see the people you work with differently. You see the, the, the kids at your school differently. You, you see um, our nation differently. And instead of looking at it as something that is bad and our culture is so bad and our, our, our world is going to hell in a handbasket and everything is so bad and people are so bad. They are. They are. I mean, I, I saw a post today of, um, I don't even want to say it. I saw, I saw a post today of a news article celebrating someone taking purity rings from, from, from people who decided um, that they were going to live a different lifestyle and melting them down into the shape of a female organ and celebrating abortion. And these people were leaders in a church. Not a, not a spirit-filled church, obviously, but a, a church, something that was labeled as a church. So yeah, the world is bad. But our view begins to change, and so instead of looking at them and, and, and saying, they're terrible, send them to hell, how, how awful, my heart says, they're hopeless. They're sheep without a shepherd. Jesus was moved to compassion. And, and the blood of Jesus and the power of the cross is enough to even set those kind of people free. And so there's this, there's this shift taking place when you hear people say, I'm, I'm, I'm sick and, and, I'm, and I'm just worn out with my kid's sickness. Like I've been praying for the Corker family because of, of the deal that they've been dealing with with Brian and this, this UCI thing. And, 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 and instead of saying, 
You know, I'm praying for you that God will give you strength and you're going to make it through. I just want to say, be healed. You're not going to deal with this anymore. You don't have to, you don't have to wrestle with this anymore. Not for my glory, not, not the motivation isn't, we want to have healing here so our church will grow. We want to have miracles here so that, so that we can have a great following and, and have to build another building and, and have the church alive become famous. No, it's because of Jesus. It's the greatness of Jesus. It's the greatness to make him known. Because look, if I point you to me, it's not good because I'm not perfect. If, I, if we point you to him and to him, we, we've missed it. Even if we point you to each other, we've missed it. Pastor talked about it. You know, we want community. We do want community. Look, but if you love him, you're going to have community. If you love him, you're going to love your neighbor. The greatest thing we can do is point you to him. The greatest thing we can do is, is want you to have such a fascination with Jesus. I'm not asking you to quit your job and work at the church full time. We need you to be on your job. We need, God, God needs you where you're at. But regardless of your occupation, your vocation is to be one who burns for Jesus. Regardless of what you do in the earth, whether you're a missionary or you mop the floors at the school, your chief pursuit is to know him and to make him known. I'd rather have a church of 50 people that want to know him than 500 that just want to come on Sunday and can take it or leave it. Man, I'm thankful today for a church, for a group of people that, that love the Lord and that want to love him more. And so my, my plea to you today is to rekindle your fascination with Jesus. is to pray what my great gramps used to pray. Possess me, oh God. <laughs> possess me, God. I don't want to be possessed by anything of the world. I don't want to be possessed by money. I don't want to be possessed by fortune and fame and, and notoriety. I want to be possessed by you. I don't want to be possessed by the pursuit of ministry. I don't want to be possessed by anything other than you, Jesus. Our chief pursuit is to know you and to make you known. God, come and capture every heart in this room today. Oh, the ones that are really doing well in the place of devotion and, and maybe those who are failing in the place of devotion. Everybody in the room today, God, capture our heart today. Come and, 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 and revive our hearts today to make our chief pursuit, our supreme pleasure, knowing you. Give us the attitude today of the woman with the alabaster box. God, give us the attitude of, of the, the one who is willing to sell it all and go and purchase the field. Help us to find the treasure of the kingdom today. Like Paul, God, give us the attitude of, of saying everything else is garbage in compared to the greatness of knowing you. God, and as we know you and we begin to take greater steps into making you known. God, I pray that you would hit this city with the kind of revival that we've never seen before. 
a kind of revival that we've never heard before. Even, Lord, let it be so radical that we can't even use the language of revival. Let it just be something that is beyond, like the scripture says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived. We thank you for what you're doing, God. We thank you for what you're doing, Lord. And just like the song said at the beginning of this message today, let the cry of our heart be collectively that we just want you, that nothing else will do. Nothing else will do. God, we ask you today, we repent and say, forgive us for substitutes. Things that we valued more than valuing you. Even, even where we have valued what you can do for us more than we valued you. Mm. There's nothing that can compare to the greatness of knowing you. Come on, just lift your hands right there where you are. And in just in your own way, in your own words, just tell the Lord, I want to know you more. I want to know you more, God. I want to know you more, God. I pray that you would, by the Holy Spirit, reveal to us today things that possess us that are not you we want to be possessed only by you God that our chief pursuit is to know you and to make you known come on stand with me all over the room as you're standing come on just lift your hands and and respond to God come on you know how to respond to God just respond to him respond to him for singing this some of you have allowed some other things to get in the way of your pursuit of Jesus maybe it's a job maybe it's a goal maybe it's an aspiration but whatever it is come on come on as we sing this late at the altar today come on renew your pursuit come on renew your run come on keep up your step Come on, come on. You want to come out to these altars. We're not going to end today. You just go whenever you get ready. We're going to worship. Maybe you want to go get your children to come back in here. Dedicate your house. Dedicate your family. Maybe you're coming to Jesus. Maybe you need to confess your sins. Repent. Renew. Maybe you've been lukewarm. Come on, whatever it is, come out. Come to him. Come on, come out and fill these altars right now. Come on, don't you let anything else take the place of your number one pursuit for him. His presence, His presence, His presence. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Yeah. Come on to Jesus. Come on to Jesus. Come on, you've heard the cry. Come on, come on to Jesus. Oh. Come on, let your spirit cry out. Come on, give your marriage to Jesus. Give your family to Jesus. I 